Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Yeah, so the footage coming out of the wildfires in Hawaii is absolutely horrifying and devastating. And, uh, you know, you hate to start out a segment this way, but, you know, we have over 36 dead that we know of. And uh, the counties surrounding Maui have just been decimated. Want to bring on uh, my good friend Brian Baker, actor, producer, writer, host here on 93 WIBC. It's been a minute, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I am, uh, I, I am down here in uh, my my beautiful palatial studio that has not been utilized in quite a while. So I'm sharing it with some bugs and some spiders at the moment. But I'm I'm, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I'm doing good, man. Brian, you lived in California for a number of years, oh, and yeah. you did you ever have to experience anything like what you're seeing? in hawaii right now i mean there's wildfires in california every year it seems like Um, it is and if you've never been near one man they are absolutely terrifying i mean folks like just think oh you know fire no big deal they come up on you so fast we had to evacuate we lived in in an area that was angeles national forest and so we had to evacuate a couple of times but i had an experience my first year out in la where they were having massive fires and I was sitting in this radio studio one night, and there was kind of like this hill that was across the parking lot, and I'm just sitting there, and these flames come up over the hill, come all the way down to the parking lot, and all of a sudden, it's like, you know, your whole field of vision is on fire, and then after about five minutes, it just all receded, and, and it was done, but it was raining ash for like two weeks, and man, I'm telling you, you think that you can get away from this stuff, but... If you are in the middle of one of these, you know, like you go in to rescue a pet or something like that, you'd be surprised how quickly it just explodes and it's all around you and you have no escape route. It's terrifying. There were people in Maui, there's footage of people rushing into the ocean to get away from the fire and having to be rescued by the Coast Guard because the ocean was their only route of escape. And yeah. and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of gallons of water is being used to put these fires out, which apparently just snuck up on the people of Maui and the surrounding towns. Some of those surrounding towns are gone, just absolutely oh, yeah. devastated. Like, you know, I don't know if you were up here in Indy with the Canadian wildfires and the smoke that had been blown into our uh-huh. city, and we thought that was bad. Yeah, uh, take a look at what's going on in Hawaii right now and it's it was made even worse because they were going through um uh, strong winds from Hurricane Dora passing to the south so yeah boy just a just a perfect storm of uh, uh, terrible fires and hurricanes and we will keep you updated on that situation i was reading about the Fleetwood Mac frontman Mick Fleetwood he's devastated uh he's had a restaurant there in uh maui for decades i believe and it is it's it's gone yeah you know and i read that that he said he was devastated i thought you know mick i think maybe you've lost touch here pal i mean if losing your restaurant has devastated you oh i see what you're saying to me (laughs) you know it's like i took it to me people have lost their houses dude i understand i'm not sure if that's exactly 
uh, the correct characterization of, of what he was trying to say, but I know I, I see what you're saying. Well, I'm running with it because I had an angle on this, you which did is have that an I angle. went online. I went on. I looked at Yelp. I looked at the reviews. I looked at the food they served there, and it looked to me like it was right on par with like a Planet Hollywood. So I don't, you know, All I right. think that the island will recover, and uh, you know, too. maybe the yeah. But the, man, it I'm, looks like a bomb went off. It looks apocalyptic right now, especially at night, flying into certain parts of Hawaii. I mean, it looks like an atom bomb went off. So yeah. we'll keep you updated on what is going on in Hawaii and Maui and the wildfires there. Meanwhile, uh, the big question here, that's uh, a fascinating one to me here in the United States with the campaign heating up and the election um, uh, about a year away or so. Should Donald Trump participate in the upcoming Fox News debates? What say you? <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know. I guess I got mixed feelings about this. I, the question, I think, really is, does it matter? Because the folks that are on the Trump train, nothing's going to get. He could he could kick right. a baby in the face and they'd still vote for him. So, right. you know, I, I don't think that that whatever he has to say in a debate is going to change things all that much. Let me uh, like- let me play this. Let me play this clip. Uh, this is from Breitbart, Matt Boyle. Their Washington bureau chief asked Donald Trump in a recent interview if he would be participating in that debate. I haven't totally made a decision. I like the debates. I might be here because of the debates. I might have won against Hillary with the debates, and I might have gotten the nominations because of the debates. But when you're leading by 50 and 60 points against these people, and you have people at zero and one and two, And then they're going to be asking me hostile questions, uh, and they probably won't have much of an audience if I'm not in the debates, according to what I read. If I'm not in the debates, they're not going to have a very big audience. It seems almost like it would be foolish to do them. Uh, Reagan didn't do them. Other people didn't do them. uh, And I don't know that I should be doing it, you know, to to be up against a hostile network uh, with hostile people that are polling at zero. I mean, I, I, I look at that from a, a strategic standpoint, a political standpoint, and a lot of what he said makes sense. I guess, although, you know, you are opening the door for people to say, all right, well, he's afraid to yeah. come out and debate because he's not able to answer some of these questions. But uh, will it matter? No, because, again, the people that are behind him will, you know, side with his point of view on why he's not participating, and the people that hate him will be, you know, Sling in the mud, but will it matter in well, the end? No, he's probably going to wind well, up getting yeah, I mean, the nomination like, and getting away. Should he have to sit there with the loser like Chris Christie? Is is who's you know? Here's what Trump had to say. Listen to what Trump had to say. I, I think that he was in New Hampshire here last night. Here's what Trump had to say about the former governor of New Jersey. He's he's eating right now. He can't be bothered. <laughs> Sir, please do not call him a fat pig. That's very disrespectful. Don't call him. See, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Don't call him a fat pig. <laughs> it ain't exactly like Trump is Brad Pitt abs, right. you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. And that's and that's exactly what Chris Christie said. I think he was on Hugh Hewitt, some podcast or something with, with Hewitt, and here is Chris Christie and his response. He's a child, Hugh. A child. This is the kind of stuff that goes on in a schoolyard with fourth graders. But that's what we can come to expect from Donald Trump. Um, and that's why I don't even know why, why real smart folks like you, um, uh, you know, take him seriously. Uh, his conduct is reprehensible. 
on, on any number of levels, uh, both you know while he's president and most particularly in the time after uh, he's uh, he's left the presidency. And so I don't care what he thinks about the way I look. Um, quite frankly, uh, and, and what I suggest to him is that they install, although I know it's possible, maybe they couldn't, a few more mirrors, uh, but not the magic kind at Mar-a-Lago in Bedminster so we can see what he looks like. <laughs> and that's where we're at with the uh, oh. the, the campaign here, the, DN, the, 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 uh, the GOP race to get nominated. That's where we're at here. Yeah, you know, I used to really like Chris Christie before he stepped in it, man, because he was, he had some, some Trump-esque elements about him. Yeah. Where people, he, you know, he'd get confronted by, like, you know, the teachers' union, and, man, he would just go after them and take them to task, and it was a beautiful thing to watch. And he did it, he did it in a manner that was, it was gruff, it was New Jersey, man, but it was still on a, an intellectual level. I liked him, and then he just started stepping in it over and over well, again. Well, remember man. when he closed that beach to the public? But yes. but he and his family still got to use it. Here's a here's a live phone call that he took when he was guest hosting a, a radio show. Mike in Montclair, what's up, Mike? Governor, next time you want to sit on a beach that is closed to the entire world except you, yeah. you put your fat ass in a car and go hey. to one that's open to all your constituents. Uh, well, you know, not just you and yours. Interesting, Mike. You know what? That what's beach, that? that? What's beach, that, Gov? You know, Mike. I love I love getting calls from communists in Montclair. Communists in Montclair. In Montclair. You know, you're a bully, you Governor, are, no, no, and I don't like bullies. You know what? Unfortunately, not the first time somebody's called. Chris Christie, a derogatory name having to do with his his weight right there. Today I don't feel like doing anything. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. I just want Have you, Brian Baker, who's filling in for Hammer, have you ever been described as lazy by anybody? I wouldn't think so. I think you're a pretty hardworking, active guy. Um, uh, trying to think here. I, I, I no, only I, I think maybe uh, I had a couple of teachers uh, through the years that thought maybe I wasn't applying <laughs> myself to my maximum uh, abilities. But no, I don't know that I've ever been called lazy. I, it's National Lazy Day, or as I like to call it, Thursday. Um, I, <laughs> I, 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 I love. I'll, I'll confess, a hundred percent. I love being lazy. Yeah, I love sitting on the couch. Especially on a rainy summer day when there's nothing oh, to do yeah. and just sit there and drink beer and watch TV. <laughs> I mean, the floors need to be swept, the 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 dishes need done, the washer and the, the clothes, the laundry, it's all piling up and I just sit there and I love it. Oh, now, see, you're interesting then, because I, I'm one of those, like, I feel like I have to earn my lazy. I can't function or or get my yeah. brain together if there's laundry and these are done well, and neither, the house is a mess. I got to get that done, neither, and then I can be lazy. You and my wife should get married then, because that's, <laughs> that's, that's never a good exactly match. the problem that I have. I love being lazy, but I can't, because my wife has to get it all done. <laughs> Everything you just mentioned, from sweeping the floors to the laundry to the groceries, to the kids picking up, to uh, mowing the lawn. Uh, I, I, I say I like being lazy, but I can't because I want to stay married. 
if that means anything to you. I don't understand. Like neurologically, I, I I cannot figure people out that are able to live in clutter. Or if you've got a sink full of dishes and you also have something that needs to get done, I like folks that are able to say, "Oh, yeah. I'll get to that later and move on and do something." I wish I had that chip in me. I just I don't. I'm sure my life would be much happier and I would enjoy myself more if if that wasn't the case. It just drives me crazy. So I don't know how anyone is able to actually function. I mean, people like you are, are, believe me, I'd rather be like you than like me. Here's my trick I do. Here, here's what I use. Lindsay will leave, she'll give me a choice. She's like, hey, I got to go get this birthday present for the kids uh, and their party that they're going to at Target. You either do that or you can stay here and fold laundry. And I am folding laundry 100% of the time, <laughs> every time. I hate going out. I hate going to Target. Are you kidding me? So I pop in my earbuds. I put on, you know, whatever, a podcast or something. And I'm and I'm folding laundry, sitting down on the couch, on the ottoman. <laughs> the, the laundry's on the ottoman. Uh, same thing with the dishes. Honey, I'll take care of the dishes. You stay upstairs and make the bed and clean the kids' room because I'm by myself. I've got my earbuds in or I got you know something on the TV, and I might take a little extra time in doing the dishes. I could probably get it done a little quicker, but to be honest... <laughs> Just gotta pace yourself. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm pacing myself. And the the fact that it's National Lazy Day, uh, I, I think, is um, needs to be recognized. In fact, here is a tribute to Lazy Day, brand new from Hammer and Nigel Records. <laughs> Lazy. Now the thing about is is COVID still a legit reason to call in sick to work? Listen, man, I, it's that- still happening because um, when I had my little uh, health issue here a couple of weeks ago, that was one of the first things that they thought maybe was going on with me was that I had COVID, even in the middle of the, the you know hot summer. So, yeah, I think it still counts. Is, is it still, still counts? Is it still yeah. the five days? Is it still, you know, you slept on or is it like, no, you're coming to work. Just put on a mask. You'll be fine. I don't know. I, and I guess it depends on the employer, too. Like, I had a boss one time, and if you took a sick day, you had to have a doctor's note. So I wonder if they cause you or tell you to bring in some kind of like a positive, a positive test, test result. Yeah. yeah, you know? My, uh, I had a buddy of mine that was, that felt like crap, and he had to fly out to LA the next day for business. And he, <laughs> He took like he he was praying he had COVID so he didn't have to go and he took like five <laughs> COVID yeah he took like five of those free COVID tests that Biden sent him in a row and they all came back <laughs> negative he was so disappointed because uh. it was just a cold so uh, since it's National Lazy Day here is comedian Gary Goldman on something I identify with um, and something I've done on how lazy he gets sometimes I do things that are so lazy that I'm proud of it. The other night, I bought a movie on iTunes that I own on DVD. <laughs> just so I wouldn't have to get out of bed. I've done it! 
I could have reached my DVDs. The collection is right there in my bed. I could have reached over to the shelf, grabbed a DVD, but then I thought to myself, yeah, but you're not gonna be able to just flick it in there. You're not a magician. So I said, you know what? If Shawshank Redemption is under $15 on iTunes, I'm buying it. $14.99. And sold. And I was so thrilled. I told all my friends, but then I told my older brother, what are you doing buying a movie you already own for $15? Like, what, it's $15, who cares about $15? Nah, it adds up, kid. It adds up, guy. $15 here, $15 there, it adds up, guy. Let me tell you something, because this is true. It only adds up if you add it up. <laughs> oh, I've totally pulled that move. Yeah. Where yeah. I, I've got my giant box of DVDs in the basement, but, you know, I want to watch Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> and I can either go down and dig through all the DVDs because they're not in any discernible order, or I could pay the $2 rental free fee on Amazon Prime. Is that pathetic or what? Uh, you know what? I've done it myself, man. Have you I really? Have. Yeah, because my DVDs, I, I, I have my own little uh, special room for like it with all my hi-fi gear set up, and I, I keep all of our movies up there. And uh, yeah, I, I've been sitting on the couch and just thought, you know what? Screw it. It's it's two bucks. I'm just so, going to buy it. So you still, okay, so that's, so, it, it's kind of funny how quickly these tech terms change. I heard Gary Goldman say iTunes. That must have been an older clip. Is there no such thing as iTunes anymore? It's Apple Music, right? Or Apple Movies? Yeah, yeah, that's right. They okay. have. They, they've changed it, but and I'm so an old man. Do, so. you, do you have DVDs? Do you still have your collection? I got rid of all mine. Gave them away. Dude, I have three bookshelves full of wow. Blu-rays and DVDs. But but here's the thing, like, I still, I, I'm one of those, when it comes to audio, when it comes to visual, I want the highest possible quality that I can get. And streaming's not there yet. So, I mean, mm. in terms of convenience, yeah, absolutely. But I have a ton of DVDs, and I don't own any VHS tapes anymore. Yeah, I, no I VHS. Uh, I still got a couple of DVD players laying around, but the only time we really use anything is when we're in the car on a road trip, and the kids, we've got this little pull-down DVD player, and the kids could watch a movie and st stuff like that. So that's about the only thing we do. Happy National Lazy Day, everybody. Enjoy it. It's a Hammer and Nigel show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah, my name is Nigel. Brian Baker, writer, producer, occasional fill-in host here on 93 WIBC, filling in for Jason Hammer. Real quick, and then we can move on to some. Well, do you mind talking about your health scare? No, you I don't mind talking about it at all. All man. right, let me let me let's get to that in just a few minutes. Um, let's let's table that right now because I, I wanted to ask you about something you know you're extremely knowledgeable about, and that's inflation the cpi report coming today coming out today showing inflation ticked up over the last year uh, but it seems like the biden administration when it, 
any of these numbers come out are all do like are all high-fiving each other yeah and, and and like doing a victory lap and I, i'm looking at this going wait a minute if inflation is still high but it's not as high as it was but and the cpi is that's a consumer price index right yeah, so, so, you know one of the prob- problems that you've got there, Nigel, is you're uh, you're utilizing uh, critical thinking skills, and that's something you you don't want to do when evaluating these things, because <laughs> otherwise you see the truth of what's going on behind it. Yeah, they're taking a victory lap like they always do. I've never seen an administration that takes more victory laps for stuff that they're 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 excited about that's supposed to happen in five to ten years. Numbers are still up. I mean, Wall Street responded positively to the numbers that came out because yeah, it why? was below expectations. And so, from their perspective, they go, okay, well, maybe now the Fed has less of an incentive to keep hiking rates. They'll probably keep rates where they are right now, at least for this this next round. But, uh, you know, look, prices are, are still way up. And it's gotten to a point now. I mean, the number that I polled had year-over-year core CPI at 4.7%. So, that's more than double what the Fed's target is of 2%. And, you know, when you look at just the cost of everything around you, man, and then you combine that with the reality of what we're reading with people trying to just keep up with the cost of living. You know, this, this talk about wage increases, I mean, it is a pittance compared to how much the cost of living has gone up. Sure. And folks are now at a point, I mean, credit is at an all-time high. Credit card debt at an all-time high. Our national debt, obviously, at an all-time high. But now people are starting to pull money out of their 401ks. We have a major defecation storm brewing here, man. It's not a good situation. <laughs> we, we, and I don't know how it ends, but there are no good like solutions left at this point. There are only consequences, Nige. I well, talk to me more about that 401k story. We briefly touched on that yesterday. But yeah, Bank of America released some sort of report that said the number of people who made a hardship withdrawal during the second quarter surged from the first three months of the year to 15,950. That's an increase of 36% from the second quarter of 2022. Uh, What a horrible situation you have to be in to, to make the decision to pull out of your retirement fund, which includes a lot of taxes and penalties, too. Yeah, I mean, you're getting really, you're getting hit hard because there's the tax penalties, the penalty for the early withdrawal because you that money is is pre-tax dollars and now you're pulling it out and pulling it out early, so you're going to hit a penalty on that. It's become people's lender of last resort, you know, because they probably maxed out their credit cards. Mm. And think about this: that money is not being utilized to pay down debt. People are taking that money in order to probably buy gas and buy food and just pay the mortgage. And most folks. You know, if you do research, uh, the average person has like maybe less than twenty thousand dollars set aside for retirement. Most people can't come up with a thousand dollars if they need it, and a lot of folks are just one paycheck away from being homeless. So, you know, this is bad, man. I mean, and it's difficult for people to get ahead. Especially when you're dealing with this kind of an inflationary holocaust on top of just coming off the 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 um, pandemic where nobody was working, man. I mean, it's just it really it is a convergence of a lot of things that are making it very tough on families. And I truly, you know, 
Nigel, I walk down the grocery store aisles, man. There you go. And exactly, I, I know it's it's tough for us, and and we're doing okay. But I will stand at the checkout, and I see these moms that are there with like five kids, and I want to mm. cry mm-hmm. because I just think, how are they doing this? How are they managing to just keep a roof over their heads and feed their kids? Grocery bills are through the roof. I, that's that's one place where my wife and I notice it the most. We do. I'm very lucky. I mean, we both have jobs that we love. We make a decent living, uh, dual incomes. But I, I I told Tony Kinnett yesterday we can both tell there's a palpable sense that our money is not going as far as it should be. And you mentioned the grocery store. Uh, get ready. There's still hype. You might as well get used to these high prices at the grocery store. So the study came out and said there's particular items that are going to see a jump in cost this fall, including beef, oranges, peaches, olive oil, and chocolate. Hey, at least the price of eggs have gone back down a quarter or whatever. Yeah, I mean, some of that was was circumstantial due to uh, you know that had nothing to do with with inflation. It's just there was a shortage right. of them. But but people do need to understand that when inflation is coming down, that doesn't mean that prices are going back to where they used to be. It just means that they're going to stabilize. But you're still going to be paying the prices that you are at the grocery store for the stuff that you're getting. Even gas. I mean, even the depletion of the strategic petroleum reserves. Even. Uh, you know our energy independence. I mean, that's I think that's a big driver of of inflation and the cost uh, and what's going on. And oh, sure. and I think Trump's drill baby drill policy um, could definitely help this country in terms of uh, being energy independent and lower. I can, gas prices are still through the roof. And don't tell me they're coming down because you know they were five. It was five dollars a gallon last year. Well, but now, but now it's three fifty. No, gas is still very high. Well, yeah, and and the price of oil is baked into everything, right? Yes. Because you yep. have to ship stuff to to where it needs to go, and and petroleum, of course, is in so many different products. I mean, we're never going to eliminate it. I don't care what technology you invent. But that's the thing: is that like Biden's just lousy energy policy, as well as his continuing to make quote unquote investments, which is just basically the American people having their tax dollars utilized for something they don't even want, but it's being done under duress. <laughs> raising the national debt that i mean that's all on him but a lot of this stuff has been brewing for a long time i mean we have had a housing shortage they really since 2008 and then when we were running these ultra low interest rates and people were getting great loans yep. and then we had the pandemic come along and we got down to i guess shoot i think we closed it at below three percent man mm-hmm. so i can tell you we're not moving anytime soon so you've got that and then in order to avoid going into a depression we threw trillions Trillions of dollars just created out of thin air, just threw trillions of dollars yeah. on top of the economy because we didn't want to go the opposite direction. And now the chickens are coming home to roost, man. It's going to take a long time for this to work out. And I really am. I'm very concerned about how this plays out for some of the just middle Americans. You know, you talk about how you and your wife both work, as do my wife and I. My dad, I mean, he, he made enough money. He was able to provide a house and provide for three kids. We all went to college. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. Then, you know, the, the cost of living goes up. Mm-hmm. You got two working parents. Now people have their side hustles. I mean, at some point, there's only so much you can do to keep a roof over your head. And the fact is, I I, I hate to sound like a liberal, but the fact is, you know, wages have not kept pace with inflation. So, we're headed for a problem, man. 
Uh, we're hanging out with Brian Baker. He's filling in for Jason Hammer today. And you went through, I, I guess, I don't know if it, it would be, is health scare the proper word or is that an under, well, I was pretty scared. understated? <laughs> is that an understatement? Um, what What happened, man? You know, it's been a wild month, man. Uh, we were in a car accident up in northern Indiana at the beginning that. of July. You know, my my poor father, who is is currently now in a, a rehab facility because he had to have emergency brain surgery. Mm. Um, my mom fractured her sternum in that wreck, and then for some reason, we don't know what the cause was. I woke up one morning, my lips were swollen like I had bad Botox. I started breaking out in hives; they were all over my body. I went to get steroid shots. The steroids just seemed to aggravate the situation. And histamines weren't working. None of these creams they were giving me were working. Then all of a sudden, I'm getting swelling up. My hands are swollen. My my feet are swollen. Damn. My energy drops. I couldn't walk. I was stuck in bed for five days. I'm getting all this foam in my urine, like all the stuff you get when you think you've got kidney failure. Foam in your my- urine. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's God yeah, Watch out for that. Yeah, and uh, then my eyes started going funky on me, and it was like every day the the hives would move to a different area of my body, and there was just nothing that I could do. And then I go in to see my idiot doctor, and I mean he's <laughs> like, "This is nothing," you know. And I'm trying to walk him through everything. I, I went in towards the end of the day. It was clear he had seen enough patients, and he was just kind of rushing me through. And I'm asking him all these questions, and well, you know, what about this? And well, could it be stress related? And not. Uh, hives are, are, are more likely to cause stress than be caused by stress. Well, what about uh, kidneys? What about this? Didn't want to do any blood tests. Didn't want to do a pee test. None of that. And then on top of that, when I told him about the car accident, I said, you know, I, I'm just telling you, there's been a lot of really stressful things going on. The, the business is shut down right now with, the, with the, the writer's strike. My father just had brain surgery. You know what his comment to me was? Well, I, I, I don't imagine at his age, he'll recover too easily from that. Oh, well, I thanks, Doc. the man in the mouth. <laughs> Gosh. I mean, it sounds like out. it's uh, yeah. That's 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 horrible bedside manner. Yeah, uh, yeah, not I mean, too just, good. Uh, I mean, it sounds like like. Did you think it maybe didn't like Lyme disease or any I of those? Thought- I thought it was my kidneys. My my um, aunt Peg, who uh, uh, works or, or was a nurse at, at Methodist, worked with dialysis patients, and she, I gave her all of the you know the rundowns, yeah. and she said, uh, "This is not good. You need to go and and you need to get all these tests done." So I did finally get some blood work done, did a P test, everything looked good except my my blood was. I mean, I had a few things there that were a little bit off, but um, I've managed to recover. Today is the first day actually that I haven't had a single hive on my body, and apparently. Currently, in doing some research and, and talking to some doctors that you know actually care whether or not their patients live or die, uh, apparently, like half of the cases of, of people that break out in hives, they never determine an exact cause wow. of, of what it was. It just happens at random. So I don't know what it was, man. It just, you know, I I am going to have an endoscopy because they think maybe it's tied to my gut, but who knows, man? I just was happy to find out that I don't have to have dialysis and that the no liver's kidding. okay. I was going to say, are you sure your wife didn't change? A- laundry detergents that's what i've been when i've got rashes before i had to go to the yeah i recently had to go to the like the like the the clinic the minute clinic and uh and i I had this thing on my leg that would not go away and she's like your wife uh, you know did you guys switch laundry detergents and i'm like actually yes he goes switch back and that Uh worked (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you know what, man? I, I'm careful about that stuff, and yeah. I mean, I'm laughing about it. But I, I no, will I tell you the truth: I was terrified, I'm, man. I'm, I mean, I'm glad you're better, man. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, but I you don't too. like having your daughter seeing you sick. 
No, that was pretty rough. Um, there were a couple of times where, you know, I, you just have to be careful what you say in front of kids. And I mean, there were a couple of times that we found her and she was curled up and, Aww. you know, crying and was really upset and, and worried. So, you know, yeah, it was quite the quite the experience. But unfortunately, yeah, I'm I'm healthy. So, uh, you know, for, for, <laughs> fortunately, you're working. Yeah, you know, <laughs> gotta go to work. No more excuses. The people that roll their eyes every time uh, I'm I come on as a uh, as a fill-in host. Sorry, you're stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, glad you're feeling better, buddy. We'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. They should have been fired a long time ago. I think we got a show. Oh yeah, we got a show. We definitely got a show. Oh yeah. Brian Baker's filling in for Hammer. My name is Nigel. After four o'clock, kind of curious. I really uh, I've been itching to get to this. The Indie Star uh, did a Q and A with both the uh, mayoral candidates for Marion County for Indianapolis: Boss Hogsett and Jefferson Sharif. One of the questions hmm. uh, that was asked of Boss Hogsett was. <laughs> So where were you the first night of the riots? <laughs> so and this, as far as I know, is for the first time anybody's asked him this, and the answer is just a, a, you're going to shake your head. I can't wait to uh, to get that to you. That's a little bit after four o'clock. In a new survey, Brian, sixty six percent of people say they turn their TV subtitles on at least occasionally, some of the reasons including understanding accents and to avoid disturbing <laughs> others. Dude, I, I must be getting older because I do this all the time. The subtitles. Yeah. Yeah, some of it is you getting older. Some of it is the way that they're mixing um, television shows and movies now, man. I mean, it is. It's a little bit more muddled. And um, but my subtitles get turned on all the time. But it's usually not on purpose. It's because I sat on the remote or the dog <laughs> hit something, and then I can't figure out how yeah, to get them off. I, I never figure out how, how to do it. But really, <laughs> this survey: sixty-six percent of people that, that use subtitles, and one of the main reasons is understanding accents. And yeah, if I'm watching a British movie or or it's, you know like there's a scottish character or something like that right. i definitely always have to use the uh subtitle so it's not like a hearing thing so much as it is this is a good well, movie and i want do you want to get that yeah, that. Mom and dad are saying hi. And, uh... <laughs> tell, tell your mom and dad we said hi and uh, hope he's feeling better. All right, we'll be right back. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! My name is Nigel Brian Baker. Fill-in host, writer, producer, stuntman, filling in for Jason Hammer. How are you, Brian? I'm fabulous. Thanks for having me on this afternoon, by the way, because I haven't been working much lately. Right on. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We're gonna get to, we're gonna get to the bottom of what's going on with you here. Um, were you in indie, or had you already moved by the time the 2020 social justice riots happened here uh, downtown Indianapolis? Uh, I had already left, but I, uh, I I did watch them on the TV, and it was quite fascinating. And actually, I, I think I came back 
the weekend that those were going on, I, I was driving up to Indiana. Well, it was like time to go <laughs> to Lake Wawasee and visit family. So I was driving through, and it was it was right around the time that they had passed that like nationwide, like everyone get off the roads. So I was driving for like the last three hours, driving up to Indiana. It was just me, and I saw maybe three trucks. That is a strange experience. What man, do you mean, the like road. the no travel policy because of COVID? Yeah, no, 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 no. It was it was because of the rights. It was right when okay. they were having the rights in all the different cities, and so you had to have an excuse for being on the road. And yeah, man, like coming up through uh, basically from Kentucky on up to Indianapolis, I only passed one other truck. It was strange, man. I mean, it was like being in a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I remember waking up uh, the morning after the first night. I didn't know what anything had happened. Immediately turned on the news and just looked like her city had blown up. I. Uh, and then uh, I get the news that my grandfather passed away um, by himself in the hospital because they wouldn't let my grandmother uh, be by, by his side <sighs> because of Rick ridiculous and nonsensical, non-scientific uh, COVID policy. So I called my yeah. dad. Uh, you know, he had already let me know that grandpa died. And then I see the news, and he lives right downtown. Um, in the middle of downtown, like in the heart of downtown, he has a residence with a business along with it. I go, Dad, is the place okay? And he had no idea what I was talking about. So he didn't hear anything either. So he goes down every one of the windows in his business, including to the lot, including the window to the lobby that leads up to the residence, had been blown out. Wow. So he was getting ready to leave to go console my grandmother and start that process. And he was uh, held up for a couple hours because he had to call uh, some people, uh, some friends to help him board up the place. And I'll never forget that day. And I'm still truly bitter about it. And, uh, you know, I I maybe have like a biased opinion of here uh, of what exactly happened, where Joe Hogsett was, what more could have been done to stop what happened that first night. And I can't believe it was actually allowed to happen a second night, two nights in a row. I I can't believe it. And I still have bitterness there. I I have questions. And so the Indy Star... So the main question I have is, is what resources did the police have at their disposal that they did not use or weren't allowed to use because of the powers that be? Uh, that, that question. Why was the second night of riots allowed to happen? And then where was Boss Hogsett, the mayor, the first night of the riots? We got a tweet at like 1.30 in the morning, and that was it. Nobody heard from him. I don't know whether he had the press conference the next day or the day after, but there are rumors that he was incapacitated. There were rumors that he has a, a problem with uh, substance abuse. I don't know those to be true, but I just want to know who was in charge if it wasn't the mayor. That's the only question I have. I don't care if he would maybe, you know, maybe he was at a sick relative's bedside. I have no idea. And I really don't care what the excuse was. I just want to know who was uh, pulling the strings that night. And finally, somebody has asked Joe Hogsett where he was the night of the riots. The Indy Star did a Q&A with uh, Hogsett and Jefferson Sharif, his Republican opponent. So I'll go ahead and read you 
uh, the question here. <laughs> this question, the okay. way it's worded, is really it's, it'll make your eyes roll. Many people have asked where you were during 2020 racial justice protests. Uh, well, no, they were social, they were racial justice riots. Right? <laughs> they were they, <laughs> they were they were violent in nature. So the question is yeah. already kind of lame. It's a line of questioning that comes up a lot, especially from Republican voters and politicos, implying that you weren't there. Why? You th- why do you think this is something that people keep bringing up? Well, that reporter is a weenie the way he phrased that question. He is so scared. <laughs> really, just ask a straightforward question. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. I so, didn't mean to interrupt. No, but that's okay. So, so you'll, this, you'll love the answer even better. So, here's the answer. Look, I know that there have been questions that have come up. But I can assure you that on the entire weekend, and I can give you the hook, line, and sinker of press conferences that I held throughout the course of that weekend, trying to address the unfortunate circumstances that -hmm. occurred in Indianapolis on Friday and Saturday that was fortunately resolved by Sunday. I loved how Mm -hmm. he put it there. They were the riots that destroyed businesses and people died, and they were unfortunate circumstances. (laughs) He goes on to say... Suffice it to say that people may not be aware of what I was doing. I think, for many, it's understandable to find what occurred in Indianapolis and across the country difficult to explain. That's exactly why I asked for an independent review of the city's actions just weeks after the civil unrest. And that was your answer. (laughs) That was a long walk to say I was drunk. (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. I mean, holy God almighty, was that, I mean, a a total non-answer. That was one of the best non-answers I've ever heard in my life. But, you know, it also just goes to show how stupid our politicians are, man, because if he had a legitimate reason to to be missing in action, we would have been told what that was the weekend after or the uh, the week after the rights. We would have known right away. And there again, you know, he kind of dodges around it. That to me just says uh, it yeah, was embarrassing absolutely. circumstances. Absolutely. I don't want people to know. And I'm trying to dodge it. And, you know, you no might question. as well just admit it at this point, because, you know, at this oh, point, no, speculation he's... is probably worse than the reality. He's got an election to win, so he's not going to put himself in a position to make himself look bad. But he, I think that answer just was totally lame. It was a total non-answer. I think we all know the truth. We've we've heard the rumors from people that are high up, that are in the know. I don't care where he was. Again, I hope if there was some sort of you know problem, an addiction, I hope he gets the help that he needs. I just want to know who was in charge that night. Yeah, and, and and I can give you the, the that line about giving me the hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, of the press the... conferences that I held throughout the course of the weekend. I isn't hook, line, and sinker a phrase you use when you're lying or scamming <laughs> yes. people? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he was <laughs> drinking during the interview. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I want to I want to pivot here and talk about last night's NBC broadcast of. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a streaming thing or what. Meet the Press now with Chuck Todd, with liberal weenie host Chuck Todd, who's leaving Meet the Press. Uh, he actually admitted Texas Governor Abbott was right, and Democrat leaders would be pissed at Biden for the massive influx of illegals being bust into their cities. Check it out. Uh, coming up, New York, uh, New York City's growing humanitarian crisis. The shelter system slammed by an influx of migrants. New calls for federal help. I guess Greg Abbott was right. He said once he got blue cities to deal with this, that they would be uh, very upset at the federal government. 
You know, the governor of Texas had been complaining about the administration not helping for months. And he said, well, I'm going to start sending these migrants to blue states. Maybe they'll get some action. He's turned out to be right about this, that he knew that other governors, didn't matter, Democrat or Republican, would also feel uh, burdened by this. And sure enough, here we are. And so so I'm listening to that and thinking, well, it's all Biden's fault to begin with. Right. And Biden rolled out the red carpet for illegals and he used all the woke tools in his arsenal to ensure as many people crossed that border as possible the days he got into office. Uh, ending Title 42, uh, doing everything he could to end the remaining in Mexico policy, rolling back ICE immigration enforcement, um, the you know cutting funding for the border security. This is, and then and then you have these woke Democrat city leaders and mayors and governors like Massachusetts and, and uh, Mayor Adams in New York City that were all like, oh, sanctuary cities, everybody come here, we'll take you in. And isn't it funny how quite the opposite mm-hmm. <laughs> is happening yeah. now? Well, I also I, I find it interesting that, that it was Chuck Todd who made those comments too. Yeah. I, maybe I'm just overly optimistic about humanity, but I've had this feeling recently, like a lot of the folks that are more to the that lean liberal that are in uh, these mainstream media outlets have come to realize that folks that are coming across the border it's not just uh, you know people that have been oppressed that are looking for a better life there is a lot of harm that is coming as a result of these porous borders including child sex trafficking yeah. and i get the feeling that maybe some of these folks are having to come to jesus moment and realizing what the reality is down there on the border or maybe they actually took the time to talk to some border agents and find out what the truth is and perhaps now you know their, their conscience is starting to eat away at them because i would never expect Chuck Todd to utter the words that he that we just heard one more thing here uh, as Biden's border crisis reaches uh, the city of New York Democrat Mayor Adams kind of uh, I think he was on CBS this morning complaining that it's not sustainable yesterday you said uh, you're on pace to spend five billion on migrant care in this fiscal year to, to give people some perspective that is more than the city uh, spends on sanitation parks and the fire department combined so you're asking for money here do i have that right uh, you, you, a combination more than money because the faucet is uh, flowing we have to stop the flow faucet we have to make sure we have a real decompression strategy at the border and we have to ensure that we have real immigration reform because it's going to go to continue. It's not sustainable. When you look at 10000 a month, uh, the math just doesn't, does not add up. But I thought you were a sanctuary city, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> what happened? Of course it's Biden's fault. Of course. I, I like how he, what, what word did he use about the border? A decompression at the border? <laughs> you need to close the border, bro. Ever and Nigel presents is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and, roll. rock and roll. Brian Baker, you know how to play Is This Anything, right? Yes, I've uh, done a few rounds of this, I think. All right, let's go here. I'll uh, I'll give you a couple of stories. You just tell me if they're anything or not. How about this one? This is one of the best. This grandma's gone viral for the message that she once played 
after she dies at her own funeral. <laughs> Here you go. Play this video at my funeral. Thanks for coming, everyone. There's probably a lot of people here, so have fun. If you're crying, stop being a baby. Find a <laughs> tissue and move on. Don't be sad. I lived a long time. I slayed every day, and now I'm going to lay every day. I hope you <laughs> slay while I decay. And Bertha better not be here. If she's here, kick her out right now. I'm going to haunt you, Bertha, and my ex, George, better leave. I know he's here. I'm going to haunt him, too. I hope everybody gets drunk after this. You better take a shot for me. Love you all. Is this anything, Brian? Uh, yeah, I think so, you know. And, and you know, God bless her. I, first of all, uh, there's something wonderful about reaching a, a, a ripe old age because the filter comes off, you know, you just don't give a rip anymore. But also, I get the sense that you know, everything kind of evolves as time goes on. And, you know, I mean, look, you know, you can still mourn somebody, go to the funeral and everything. It's a, a sad occasion. But I don't know. I kind of like the idea of somebody spicing it up and bringing something new I'm, to it, you know? I, I don't know. Do you have any, like, big requests for things you want at your funeral? Yeah, a keg. <laughs> I don't want to so have – I don't want to just have a celebration of life. I, I don't want yeah. some – just downtrodden, morose. You know, everybody's wearing black and just. I don't. I don't want that. And I, I just. I want to have a celebration of life. I was just recently at a, a close friend's uh, celebration of life for one of their relatives that had passed away, and it was beautiful and it was emotional and it was. There were some parts of it that were sad, but there mm-hmm. was beer and food and a giant. Um, I got things got real emotional with the. Um, with the montage, they had a slideshow. Um, oh, that's nice. And and that's that's kind of the road I want to go down. I, I don't yeah. I, I don't want the traditional funeral where I'm everybody's dressed in black at a church. My coffin there at the beginning, and some some pastor or somebody I've never met in my life gives a eulogy. Mm. Uh, just get some friends up there, tell some funny stories. And by the way, that's, you know, my mom says the same thing. My wife's mom says the same thing. Just, you know, do not have one of these just overly emotional funerals for me. Do the celebration of life thing. And I think, yeah, I think that's what, I think that's what grandma there wanted too. you know, <laughs> what's having, have a good time. Yeah. I'm kind of with you on that, man. I mean, I have a few things. I'd like to be buried in my bandit jacket. And at some point I'd like to, the, yeah. the pop goes, the weasel theme played, you know, just to <laughs> kind of freak everybody out. Is that, with pop, you, is that third, third base? Yeah, <laughs> third base is that, is that what the, is that the band third base? Pop goes a weasel because so, yeah. a weasel goes pop. Weasel goes pop. Yep. Yeah. No, that would be kind of fun, I think. You know, but uh, other than that, yeah, play some slideshows. I got a couple of things I've written over the years. I'm kind of proud of. Maybe yeah. maybe read those. But for the of most course. part, yeah. You know, get in, get out. Play play some funny bits. Yeah. If I if I die, go through some audio, go through some archives, and and play. You know, me puking live on the air. You know what I mean? That's every. That's no matter what I do for the rest of my broadcasting career. That's all anybody ever says to me when they walk up to me is, "Hey, heard you puked on the air the other day when, they, when the chick swallowed the fly that just made you puke." And then the story about how Hammer smashed a cocoa puff in his nose when he was a kid, and he had to, it started snotting it out. It just made me sick. All right, we've gotten off way off track here.
This one, this next one, um, I thought of you immediately because you're a dog lover to the yeah. nth degree. A woman may be facing animal abandonment charges after leaving her dog behind at the Pittsburgh International Airport because she couldn't bring it on her flight. She attempted to bring it on as an emotional support animal, but she was denied. Here is uh, a police officer talking about what happened. We were able to determine that the dog's owner had attempted to fly with the dog this morning and was denied boarding due to having an improper cargo container. In turn, the dog was abandoned and its dog's owner continued to its resort destination as intended. The owner also attempted to fly with the animal under the pretenses of being an emotional support dog, but was denied boarding for that as well. Is this anything? Jeez. Yeah, that's something, man. I Boy, some of y'all out there just absolutely suck. You know, I, I do not understand that. I, I do not get folks that have pets and apparently it was precious enough that it needed to go on vacation, but then they can just abandon an animal like that. I mean, this is a member of your family. I get everyone has different views on dogs and some dogs, you know, they don't come in the house. But I, this is something I just I what is wrong with them? I mean, that, that's like sociopath behavior there man I, i'm sorry i just i do not get it how did you um we had a, a loss of a pet for the first time in our family this year and it was excruciating oh. to watch uh my kids go through that we had two cats oh, yeah. and one died have had um something with the bladder man and you you lost a, a pet uh yeah recent was it recent or has it been about a, a year it, or so it's been it's been a few years, but it okay. feels like yesterday, man. Isn't it isn't it awful to watch your kids go through like that experience that kind of loss? That was it the was, worst part, and, yes. and you know, and your kids are in age too, where they they sort yep. of they understand. The, my daughter was uh, she was almost three at the time when we oh, lost Tucker. Wow. And, you know, and, and I remember the morning, like I, I had done all the reading ahead of time. And so the morning we were going to take him to the vet and, and have him put down all the words that you're supposed to explain. And I told my daughter, you know, this is what's going on. And he's, he's sick. He's not going to get better. And she went over and she picked up. <clears throat> she went over and got her Doc McStuffins kit Aww. and was going to try and fix the dog. Aww. And I mean, I just, sweet. yeah, Sweetheart. yeah, that was just, I mean, and then after that, you know, she's of that age where she doesn't really understand death. So after the dog had been put down and we're driving, she's like, and you know, we're going to go late and then we'll, and then we go pick up Tucker. Like it took a Aww. long time to really come through. So that was by far the worst part of yep. the whole experience man yep absolutely and have you ever had to fly with a dog no i you know I, i'm afraid to uh, i've never had to fly with a dog i, um, I will not put I them in a, in a crate oh really yeah that, it's, no. it's 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 <laughs> not when we lived in texas we had a puggle named low low oh, yeah and it was small enough that we it, it could be in a specific kind of character um, a carrier and fit under the seat but it yeah. was just stressful you know it was just uh -huh. it was down there whining i didn't want it to pee or you know poop itself or anything we got through mm -hmm. it but flying with the dog is incredibly is or just incredibly difficult and the fact that this woman tried to use the old uh well it's it's an emotional support animal is pretty insulting to people that actually need emotional support animals you know yeah, yeah. All right. Well, at least that's calmed down, though. I mean, because people have the emotional support guinea pigs and all kinds of stuff. So, you know. Emotional support Shetland pony. Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> all right. It's a Hammer and Nigel show.
My garage floor just looked awful. I couldn't keep it clean. It was just a mess. It was all cracked and old. It just looked bad. That's when Galaxy Concrete Coatings came in and within a day gave me a new garage floor that was out of this world. The coating they used, it wasn't. it's not epoxy, by the way. That's the old stuff. They use what's known as polyurea. It's the new premium standard for coatings. And they just upgraded their warranty from 15 years to lifetime. So check out galaxyconcretecoatings.com or give them a call. 751-9070. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer will be back tomorrow. My co-host filling in today is uh, a good buddy, Brian Baker. You work in the Hollywood film industry. You're a stunt man. Uh, you're a man of many talents. You wear many hats. But I'm wondering what the writer's strike has meant for you in your industry. We've reached the 100-day mark uh, with the writer's strike, and uh, Hollywood writers it doesn't look like there's an end in sight just maybe your overall impressions of of what's going on and what what the writers want what the studios want and where you see this going well, yeah, because now it's not just the writers, it's also the Screen Actors Guild, and uh, they're pretty far apart, Nige, and most people are of the opinion at this point that this could go on now until at least January. So, I mean, that that would set a new record, but it wouldn't necessarily be completely unprecedented. They've had long strikes in the past, and, uh, you know, the things that they are negotiating for, I mean, obviously, they want better pay, they uh, they want uh, better residuals, they want more transparency in terms of how the studios are, are using a Counting, and they want protections against AI, which you know that's going to be a little bit difficult to pull off. Some of the the things that they're fighting are the result of a bad agreement that they put together when they they put the contract together last time, and nobody really quite saw what was happening with AI, nor did they really fully understand streaming. And now that everyone kind of has a better idea of what the impact is and what the money is now, you know, everyone wants their slice of the pie because this the residuals on streaming are nothing compared to what they were for network television or a big blockbuster film that really? is released in theaters. Yeah, I mean, it's a fraction of it. And the studios play a lot of games too. Like they'll, you know, they'll set up a production company to make a movie and then the film gets made and then they will the, the studio will then charge the production company to market that film and of course they can charge them whatever they want and they have to pay it because it's essentially the same company and so they kind of drain the money so that on paper it looks like there was no profit made and then a little bit less money goes to the people that have a, a financial stake in the in the profits if the film does well so yeah man I mean th- there's a, a lot of things going on here but AI is really at the center of this for the writers and for actors man because it is so easy for these studios now to scan a background actor and just create crowds out of 
you know, nothing. I mean, they have these, wow. they have these, they have the technology to, to create. So, I mean, I think in terms of like background drive, uh, background actors, I think, you know, extras, that's probably done. I think they're going to be out of a job. You're kidding me. It's, no, but. It's- but the thing is, like main actors, I, I'm not as afraid of AI as, as most of the writers and the the actors are. I mean, the, the truth is, I think it is one of those things that everyone doesn't understand it and how it works, and so it's this very scary thing. And yes, it's going to have an impact. Like I said, I mean, I think extras are are done for, but uh, main actors and main writers are always going to have gigs, and even writers that uh, you know are out there on the picket lines utilize AI themselves to kind of help brainstorm and just uh, you. Know, clear the cobwebs and and maybe do a little bit of research to get the ideas flowing, um, but in terms of AI, like writing scripts, I mean, I'm sorry, I, I've just I I know too much about this stuff at this point, and, and it's just not going to happen. The folks that are going to be in trouble in terms of the writing front when it comes to AI are, are really like journalists, people that just write straight news where they're grabbing facts and and you know putting it into an article. They're already doing it, and they they tell yeah. you they're doing it, and and those articles, yeah, right? they, yeah, mean, and they, that's easy to replicate. But creativity, empathy, taking someone on a, on a hero's journey in a story, that's something that is very difficult to pull off. Let me, so, let me ask you about ahead. more on AI in just a second, but who are, are, is there a good guy and a bad guy here? Like the Screen Actors Guild, the writers? Uh, you, know, look, you know what I mean? I, I, like. I don't know that anybody's wearing white hats at this point, okay. man. I mean, the, the truth is, yeah, the studios are scumbags, as are the streamers, and they're greedy, and you know, they're 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 doing some some sneaky things on the accounting side. But I also think it's true that industries evolve, things change, and uh, you know. Uh, a lot of, of industries aren't what they used to be. You know, how, who goes to work for a company that, that manufactures cars and gets a nice pension and you know retires early and and uh, is getting nice social security? And I mean, it's just like certain things that our grandparents had and our parents had. We're not going to get. The economy has changed, and that's just the reality of how things evolve, whether you like it or not. And you know and what? So, celebrities aren't celebrities anymore. I feel like like because not. everybody's a celebrity with social media. And yes. you have a very select few uh, Hollywood actors that are still mysterious. That's what makes you a celebrity. You're you're mysterious. You don't mm-hmm. you don't host game shows like like Jamie Foxx is a an Academy Award winner. He's, he's he hosts game show. Like I'm just saying, I, I don't see Leo DiCaprio hosting Family Feud. <laughs> Does no, that make but- sense? And some of the mystery has gone away in Hollywood for people, and I'm not sure that a lot of people care about what's going on right now, as unfortunate as it may seem. And even it's affecting you. And I hate saying that, but do people care what's going on right now with this? I don't necessarily think they do. I mean, I, I get uh, my feathers ruffled when I hear people making comments about writers, and they'll say, "Well, you know, good that the you know, the writers aren't working because all they turn out is crap." And it's like th- those are clearly people that don't understand exactly how the business works and how a movie gets made. Because what you see by the time something hits the theaters, I mean, it is it is so non representative of really? what a writer originally put forth. But yeah, man, you know, th- and things like residuals, th- we didn't always have residuals in the business. I mean, all those old sit. 
Viacom stars, Donna Reed, you know, and folks who are on My Three Sons, they weren't getting residuals. That was something that came along later. And yeah, it's great because it can help fill the gaps when people are, are in between acting gigs or in between writing gigs uh, and, and substantially. So, I mean, about 50% of their income would come from residuals, but that's something that wasn't always there. There's a lot of people that work in industries where it's like you do the job, you get paid once, and maybe you got a piece of the, of the pie, you get a piece of the profits, but you're not getting paid over and over again. So, I, th- I think things just have to change. I mean, the economics of the of the business have changed, and as a result, you know, uh, you've got to make adjustments and sacrifices on both sides. And I just don't know that either one of them are willing to do that yet. Although I know people that are already having to lose their homes and are selling off oh, things man. in order to just survive. So, well, what about you, know, you? How has this affected you? And, and you're a stunt man, and you work in the the film industry. How has this affected you? I haven't worked on a film set since February mm. of this year because we were coming off of the uh, the pandemic. So I mean, there was pent up demand, but then they knew that we were going to go into contract negotiations, and the studios were anticipating a strike, so they weren't going to start a production and then have to stop halfway through. Wow. And then, of course, now we're in the midst of this thing. But yeah, I work for a, a company that, I mean, we provide tracking vehicles and arm cars for capturing chase scenes and um, and and really like high action stunts. Cool. And they're basically having to close up right now. So yeah, I, I'm I'm like getting a different gig just to you know you, you do what you got to do in order to put food on the table, man. Um, back to AI for just a second. I I didn't really realize how <laughs> it's been around for a while, but it's just kind of yeah. th- there's been a flood of this AI stuff. This this Chat G what is it? The Chat uh, GPT GPT. Yeah. Hell, my son gets on my phone and gets on uh, Snapchat. I have have an account on Snapchat that I don't use and talks to AI. It's really kind of creepy. And I'll tell you, the the Tucker Carlson artificial intelligence (laughs) bit that you made for me and Hammer really, really caused me to... It was shocking, almost, because it sounds exactly like him. Do you care if I play that real quick? No, please. This is... I believe this is right after Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox News, and you put this together. Good evening, and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. Oh, that's right. I don't have a job anymore. Why is that, I wonder? Golly, lots of other people have jobs. Absolutely terrible people. People who are beyond repugnant. How about the board of directors at Fox News Corporation? (laughs) The money that they've paid out in sexual harassment claims against certain executives and hosts at that network is greater than the annual GDP of most major countries. (laughs) But do they still have jobs? Yes, they do. How about Joe Biden? The cost of living under his administration of nincompoops is up 15% since President Poopy Pants took office. Thousands of illegal immigrants are flooding the southern border every day. Crime is through the roof. And despite the pooper-in-chief's vigorous assurances that we were going to cure cancer, that's yet to happen. Meanwhile, the president's son, the prolific blow artist, Hunter Biden, has been accused of everything except sniffing bicycle seats. But do Hunter and the big guy still have gainful employment? Yes, they do. How about radio station WIBC in Indianapolis? 
Nigel Laskowski, or whatever the hell his name is, he can barely get through a segment without vomiting live on the air. Probably because he's drunk. Of course, that's only on the rare day that he decides to come to work and do the afternoon drive show with his fat-ass co-host, Jason Hammer. Yeah, Hammer. I called you fat. Fat, fat, fatty, fatty, fat, fat. What are you going to do about it? Salad Dodger? Jelly Belly? Biscuit Buns? Not a damn thing. You're just going to sit there like the Jenny Craig dropout you are and forcibly pass gas into the seat of a chair that used to be occupied by Mike Pence. Aren't you donut dimples? Oh, you know what? Screw it. I'm too pissed off to do this monologue. Just go to Traffic Man boobs. You're probably desperate for a snack by now, and I'm sure Nigel needs another beer. True. Brian, that that is such an incredible piece of audio that you put together. I don't know how you did that. Um, I'm assuming you you wrote that and just entered yes. it into a, a a platform that that was able to somehow mimic Tucker's voice because it sounded yeah. exactly like him. I can take a a sample, a sixty second sample of basically anybody's voice and upload it, and it it will replicate that person's voice. And so anything I type, anything that I come up with, he will say it. And you can get variations on the read uh, every single time. Like even the so, breaths that he was taking were yeah. were emblematic of 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 his style of speaking and what you saw on his show. I, I, that is just. Incredible! We've got to do another one of those very soon, man. And I can see why AI is a big deal. I mean, if you were able to put that together in in, in an hour, imagine what somebody with with incredible amounts of money and technology can do in the film industry with that. I can see why that's a big deal for you guys. Okay, yeah. we'll be right back. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Nigel. Brian Baker is filling in for Hammer. And I know the last segment, we were kind of heavy on Hollywood, talking about the writer's strike, talking about AI, talking about what it means moving forward. There's one more thing I wanted to ask you about, Brian, because you work in the industry. Disney reported its streaming business lost $500 million yeah. for the first for the fiscal third quarter, but that's an improvement from the same period last year when it lost more than a billion. <laughs> We're Di- still bleeding, just not as much. Yeah, Disney, and then and then they announced rate hikes. Uh, you know, eleven dollars to fourteen dollars a month. Do you, can you maybe give us a brief synopsis of what's going on there? Hulu is uh, increasing their uh, ad-free price by three dollars as well. Yeah, well, I mean, what's happening is that people are are cutting back on on things that aren't necessities, man. I mean, when we talked earlier about how people are just piling on the debt, and so you know, there's a ton of streaming services out there, and people are are yes. pulling back on that front. Um, it's like, well, and, I have Peacock and Hulu and Netflix. I could get rid of Peacock and 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 Hulu and just go with yeah. Netflix. that kind of that way of thinking, right? Yeah, and you know the streamers are also talking about how they're saving money right now as a result of the strike. But the truth is, the the, the way that they are calculating yeah. that they're saving money because they're not having to pay for crews to be on set. And you know, but they're running out of content. Them. That was one of the things I read in this article. Major yeah. studios have said they are saving big money in the short term with the most with most of production on hold. And I'm like, okay, but you're not producing anything either. You're not producing that content. Is true. 
That is true, but uh, we also know that uh, for folks that have Netflix, I mean, the majority of people they'll go on. There's all that content on yeah, there, and then people yeah. still go and watch Police Academy or you know, whatever. <laughs> I do it too. I do too. What you re- are you watching anything right now? I just got done with the second season of uh, uh, something called The Bear on Hulu. Have you uh-huh. heard of that? I have not. That's one that I would like to see. Um, the Bear I, I is watched- incredible. Okay, that one. See, I will take a recommendation from you. I loved Ted Lasso, so I was really yes. I was into that. Um, I was in. Uh, I worked a bunch on a um, a series called The Big Door Prize, and man, I got about five episodes into it, and I just thought, screw it, I don't care if I'm able to see myself in this, and I am not going to torture my life by watching this crap. So I mean, there was a lot good. of junk there. Nah, yeah, I no, I would recognize it. the bear. It's about a, a fancy chef that worked at the French Laundry that moved back to Chicago to his hometown after his brother killed himself to take over his brother's like Italian beef business. It is really, really good. Hammer. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Hey, I'm Nigel. Brian Baker, longtime broadcaster. He is a stuntman. He is a writer and a producer and fill-in host. He's filling in for... Jason Hammer, you are are you down in Georgia right now? I am in beautiful Peachtree City, Georgia, right land of the golf carts. Right on. Uh, you used to live in California, so that means I'm assuming that you have had experience with with wildfires. Um, <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And uh, let me tell you, we paid uh, a lot for insurance in the area where we live because it was like a high fire zone. And uh, about a year after we sold the place, it almost burned down. So, yeah. Wow. Man. So, you, did you yeah. ever have to evacuate? Several times, and uh, oddly enough, when we sold the place, the uh, and we were moving into a townhouse, the weekend that we were moving out, uh, and we thought, good, we're not going to have to deal with wildfires anymore. And then one broke out in Santa Clarita, and the townhouse that we moved into, we had to evacuate first day. Where in the world would you? <laughs> and so was, oh, that sucks. Where would you? Okay, so where would you go? Like, did you did you have family in California? Did you go to a hotel? No, I mean I had friends, and and actually I went back to uh, to you know, where we lived was Cacol Canyon. I went back there to help evacuate horses and stuff, but uh, we wound up having to stay in a in a hotel, and um, you know they let us back in eventually. But yeah, I mean they really take it seriously, man, of because the, the winds can change, and like all of a sudden you're in major trouble. But uh, I've never seen any. Listen, I am not afraid of earthquakes. I'm not afraid of tornadoes, but wildfires wow. terrify me because wow. I've seen what they do man and when you get back to your house after being evacuated does it smell does everything smell like smoke and you have to do laundry and wash everything yeah, and you, I mean, it really, you don't get rid of the stink. And they they came around, I remember they gave us these crappy little charcoal air filters to put in. And then uh, you know, when we moved out, like, four months later to move back to Indiana, the carpets, they wanted us to pay to have the carpets clean. Well, heck, they were just full of soot. That's not my fault. <laughs> Man. And, of course, the reason I'm asking you all about this is the raging wildfire, uh, wildfires on the island of Maui right now in hawaii three dozen dead plus so far who knows what that 
death count's going to look like tomorrow. Hundreds of buildings destroyed. Uh, I want to play some audio here. This is Fox Weathers. Uh, his name's Max Gordon reporting from Maui. So much loss, so much devastation on the island of Maui. It's still unclear why these fires started earlier on in the week, but they were fanned by very strong winds, up to 75 miles per hour in some instances. And this island was a tinderbox. Conditions were very, very dry. That combined to create a devastating combination for so many. On the western side of the island, Lahaina, a community that so many people love to travel to, has been demolished. Many buildings, businesses, homes turned to ash, block after block, people having to run into the ocean to escape the flames. Yeah, you you look at those photos of Lahaina, that that town that he was talking about, which is a a tourist destination. It's gone. It's it's yeah. just it's it's horrible. Eleven thousand people have been flown off the island, with you know hundreds more at the airport. Shelters are, are have opened up in Maui and Honolulu, and and of course, if you're a tourist that had a, a vacation booked, you're screwed. Yeah. I mean that's yeah you, you cancel that. So we'll keep an eye on that and have uh, much more on that later on in the program. Uh, President Poopy Pants. Oh, we know who we talk. You know who we're talking about when I say presidential yeah. poopy pants, right? It's a, yeah, it's you a know, joke and, and and then I understand um, that's just an allegation, but in my mind, he crapped his pants <laughs> multiple times. Led around the Pope, mm-hmm, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, and then passed gas in front of the Duchess of Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> he is once again denied involvement in his son Hunter's business dealings <laughs> from years ago this was so funny did you see uh what's his name Ducey? he like hopped a fence and rushed over to the president <laughs> good for him and, good for and him. this was in uh, this was yesterday in new mexico go ahead there's this testimony now where one of your son's former business associates is claiming that you were on speakerphone a lot with them, talking business. Is that what? I never talked business in and I, I know you'd have a lousy question. Well, what do you? It's why is that a lousy question? Because it's not true. It's absolutely true. There's sworn testimony. He was on the phone with Hunter Biden's business partners, including Devin Archer. Now, the one thing they didn't get to with Devin Archer in that closed-door testimony is I mean, they didn't directly link Biden to specific business dealings. But it's like, come on. I don't. Did you see that interview that Tucker Carlson did with Devin Archer? Yeah, that it was, was all, pretty enlightening. Yeah, it was all tongue in cheek, kind of like, yeah, here's what's really going on, but but really this was going on, and it, it, it's kind of like everybody know if if do you Brian, do you believe that that <laughs> that President Biden had zero to do with Hunter Biden's illicit business dealings? Well, not only do I not believe it, Nige, but I truly, in my heart of hearts, I think the majority of people who voted for him, support him, and would go and, and pull the lever for him again think that he had involvement and is dirty. They just don't care, man, because they want their guy to win, and it's all about party politics, and they don't really give a crap. You know, and we can all sit there. You know, it's always so funny to me. You get to the last two candidates that are running against each other for president, and everyone, you know, just is beside themselves with, oh, is this the best? that we can offer up. You know what? 
there are quality people that run for office all the time. You ding-dongs don't vote for them or support them. You always go for the showman or the person that's got the name recognition. And then you do wind up with two morons running against each other. And they're dirty, they're corrupt, and people just don't care because they want to win. I mean, all these shell corporations where all this money oh. was funneled, like where did they – what did those – what did these – produce like what donald trump donald trump produced things he made buildings he he bought real estate he built hotels and golf courses what are the bidens produced other than than illicit shell corporations (laughs) to to launder money fumes Uh, yeah i mean (laughs) he's just that that family that really they are dirty they're scum and uh, but you know again people live in their own little bubbles man and they just don't care they'll overlook anything meanwhile uh the chairman of the 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 subcommittee the house oversight committee james comer out of i think he's kentucky representative out of kentucky says he's bringing in the Bidens. He's going to subpoena them. Yeah, this is always going to end with the Bidens uh, coming in front of the committee. Uh, We are going to subpoena the family. I mean, we're putting the case together to win in court. Obviously, with all the opposition and obstruction we're getting from the Biden attorneys now, uh, we know that this is going to end up in court when we subpoena the Biden. So we're putting together a case. And I think we've done that very well. We've shown the bank records. I wish the media would ask the president, what exactly did your family do to receive this $21 million that the House Oversight Committee has has proven? He just continues to say, well, that's a lie. That's not true. We have their bank records, Maria. Bank records don't lie. And that's the thing, Brian. They've got the receipts. Yeah, they've they've got the bank <laughs> records, and for Joe Biden to say it's a lie is well, a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah, my name is Nigel. Brian Baker filling in for Hammer. So there was this NFL player. Uh, his name is Henry Ruggs. Played for Alabama. Won a championship in 2018. And was selected by the Las Vegas Raiders in the first round of the 2020 draft. This idiot in his second season caused a car crash that killed a 23-year-old girl and her dog. Uh, He was driving under the influence, blew twice the legal limit. He was just sentenced to serve three to ten years in Nevada. Uh, I doubt he'll serve all ten. And I'm wondering if he gets out within the three years that the NFL will take him back. That's just kind of a side note. But somebody, uh, Brian, has gotten in on the conversation. Somebody knows about getting arrested in Vegas. Somebody highly intelligent, intellectual, someone that really knows the legal system? Absolutely not. Uh, O.J. Simpson Ah. blasted Henry Ruggs, quote, lenient prison sentence for the, (laughs) again, this fatal DUI crash. Then he compared it to his own stretch in prison, you know, saying the math doesn't just add up. You know, O.J. served, uh, in addition to allegedly getting away with a double homicide, Uh he served nine years for armed robbery. Well, again, this guy, this NFL player Ruggs, was given three to ten. Here's O.J.'s thoughts. Hey, X-World, it's me, yours truly. Now... I know I went to college on a football scholarship, but somehow this math is not adding up to me. 
You're driving a car at roughly 160 miles an hour on a public street and end up killing a girl and her dog, and you get three to ten years. You go to a hotel room that you're invited to to retrieve your own personal stolen property, property I now have because it was ruled to be mine by the state of California. Oh, shut up. <laughs> and you get 9 to 33 years. Same courthouse, same city, same state. I don't know. Somehow it just does not add up to me. <laughs> I'm just saying. I, I mean, is he, does he completely tone deaf on this? Does he not understand that he got away with allegedly murdering two people? And when he goes on, I, mean, I take umbrage with you saying allegedly because he was found guilty of, of, uh, of found responsible, legally liable yeah, in a civil, a civil court case. Okay, you're right. You're right. Yeah, but you know what? I, I mean, he he is disgusting. I mean, but a typical narcissistic sociopath. And yeah, I just the fact that he would weigh in on a social media platform. Period. He I does mean, it all the time. Well, yes does it all the time and you see what people write below his his, uh, yeah, his little postings it's non-stop I'm, I'm looking at it right now some guy named kenny said thanks for taking a stab at explaining it juice <laughs> uh, uh, he's disgusting man and do you find it interesting i mean the kids that he had with nicole are adults now they're out on their own oh, i couldn't you find imagine they never ever speak about this no reporters ever go and talk to them about it. you think they're just keeping their mouths shut until he's dead because they want to make sure they get a portion of, of the inheritance no the inheritance should go to the goldmans it should you know somebody should, else but i'm not sure how it works so, in terms of the, the like the pension stuff the woman died her dog died somebody wrote was the dog's name ron twitter oh. is just such a Twitter is such a... It's a cesspool. It's a cesspool. But, I mean, OJ's a part of it. OJ's Uh a part of it. All right. uh, I wanted to get your take on this. Uh, Burger King holds a special place in my heart. The one on Brownsburg, right off 74. Uh, My first job, as soon as I turned 16, as soon as I was able to drive, my dad said, get in that Mitsubishi van and go find a job. (laughs) So I filled out... Uh, So this is in, what, 92, 93, and my first job was a Burger King, and I loved it. I I had a blast. A bunch of my friends worked there, a bunch of people that that I got to know that went to Brownsburg worked there. This guy at Burger King, this employee, has not missed a day of work in 27 years. He's been working at Burger King for 27 years Mm -hmm. and now has been gifted Four hundred thousand dollars in donations. Wow! Kevin Ford went viral last June after a video showed how his employers, like they rewarded him for his work ethic. Right? They gave him a right. big bag full of, like a swag bag, like movie tickets, Starbucks cups, candy, just just stuff like that. You know, just you know, sure. hey, thank you for your service. Twenty seven years. I thought that's really the point of. I I, I don't know. Kevin Ford's background, but I, you know, 27 years at a fast food restaurant. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the context is here. But following the video, 
uh, one of one of Ford's family members or friends set up a GoFundMe page mm-hmm. as he because he's approaching retirement age and raised four hundred thousand dollars. Wow! In donations, and uh, I think it's incredible. That's one of the positive things of social media, isn't it? That's one of the positive things of the internet. Is that? I guess it is. I got questions, though. Man. Okay, all right. That's all right. I mean, first questions. of all, if you've been at Burger King for 27 years and you haven't received a promotion in that time, I'm wondering what the circumstances are there. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this guy. I'm just, I'm kind of wondering what happened there that he kind of failed to move up the chain. Because you would think any fast food establishment would be happy to have somebody that'll last longer than two months, let alone 27 years. But here's the other thing I was thinking about Nige, and I know this is going to make me the bad guy, but I, I assume, okay, uh, he showed up for every shift he was ever scheduled to work. He never called in sick, as, as my guess. Every shift he, he was there. Does that need to be rewarded in any special way? Oh, interesting. I mean, isn't that yeah, what you you're supposed re- to do? You're rewarding for doing your job? Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I mean, God bless him, because I think uh, there's not one of us that hasn't called in sick from time to time. I know I've oh, done please. it. please, yeah. You know? Me, But, yeah. uh, I, I mean, if, if that's kind of the contract or the deal you make with the employer, hey, uh, you hire me, I show up for these shifts, and you pay me a fair wage, or, or you know, well, we can get into a discussion about that, but uh, if you're just kind of, you're doing your job and staying in line, I mean, isn't, see, aren't you supposed to be rewarded for going above and beyond? I mean, I'm not saying the guy doesn't deserve the money. God bless him. Hey, have a lovely retirement. My goodness. Anybody that works at Burger King for 27 years is my hero, man, because that ain't an easy job. <laughs> Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now... And Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. Noise pollution. Rob Kendall is here. Hello, Rob, from the Kendall and Casey Show. What's going on, my man? Oh, it's always a pleasure to be amongst your number one very fabulous audience. And thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Uh, we can start in any number of places. I want to get to this Indy Star article about Hogsett and where he was during the riots. Uh, first, I find the issue of whether or not Trump should go to this Fox debate fascinating. And I want to play you a clip. This is from Matt Boyle, Washington Bureau Chief Breitbart, who's calling the show tomorrow around this time, by the way. He interviewed Trump and asked him, uh, asked him that very question, are you going to go to the debate? I haven't totally made a decision. I like the debates. I might be here because of the debates. I might have won against Hillary with the debates, and I might have gotten the nominations because of the debates. But when you're leading by 50 and 60 points against these people, and you have people at zero and one and two, 
and then they're going to be asking me hostile questions, uh, and they probably won't have much of an audience if I'm not in the debates. According to what I read, if I'm not in the debates, they're not going to have a very big audience. It seems almost like it would be foolish to do them. Uh, Reagan didn't do them. Other people didn't do them. Uh, and I don't know that I should be doing it, you know, to, to be up against a hostile network uh, with hostile people that are polling at zero. Like Asa Hutchinson, for example. <laughs> I think the guy has a point. As much as I would love to watch a debate with Donald Trump on stage with Pence and DeSanctis, and I don't think Chris Christie has enough qualifications. Oh, he's in. Oh, is he? Yeah. Okay. So, so as much as I'd like to see it, he makes a very good point. What do you think? Well, I would, of course, do it because I believe in transparency and accountability, and I believe that it, you should always be willing to stand in front of, whether it's your town or your county or your state or your country, whatever public office you're seeking, and explain to people why you've done what you did and where you want to go with the office you're seeking in the future. And I think any person who doesn't do that, that should be a giant red flag to voters because he's going to have to do it in the general election. And if he isn't getting sharpened up then, look, he was a train wreck in those debates with Biden. I thought he did a pretty good job against Hillary, but he was a nightmare. He was a lunatic in that first debate with Biden and, and didn't help himself. He should do it. Now, from, a, I guess, a pure strategy, if you don't believe yes, in that's accountability. that's what I'm asking of you. You've, you've worked in this field of yeah. politics. No, pure, no, he, sh he shouldn't do it. Pure, pure, pure strategy. Pure strategy, no. Now, the only thing that I think that might entice him to get up there is the fact that Pence is in it now. And you know he would love to go at Mike Pence on a national stage. <laughs> but he's absolutely right. If he doesn't participate, they've got a, probably 20% of the audience if he's the, as if he's in there. So... Why would you if you don't think it's going to hurt you and you don't feel some compelling reason like someone like I would to be transparent and accountable to the voters? I mean, Biden's not going to debate nope. anybody. He's not going to debate RFK Jr. or or what's-her-face, Marianne Williamson. Williamson. He, he's not going to do it. There's no reason for him. I, I'm not sure that he's going to make it to the election. Um, but, I, I, yeah, from a pure entertainment standpoint, I would love to see Trump do it. But at the same time... If I were Trump, and I, you know, this is somewhat out of his, his control, he would need a participation to do this. If I were Trump, I would go to like either Tucker or Rogan or somebody like that and say, "Hey, do you want to do a live event?" during the debate yeah. and you know they would smash the numbers the debate is going to get and to pr prove his point if that's what he's going to do because there is no interest in this thing without him in there. What do people like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis have to do? Like, what advice would you give any of these GOP candidates running for the Republican nomination? Any advice you could give them to to overcome the these polling numbers with Trump that we're seeing right now? That he's, I mean, he mentioned it himself, 50, 60? Uh, I mean, what advice could you give to Ron DeSantis to say, hey, here is exactly what you need to do to win this nomination? Well, to quote the uh, great philosopher and poet Eminem, as he once said about the uh, about the uh, the great Moby, "You're too old. Let go. It's over." I mean, I don't think that, that, that at this point, I don't think there's anything you can do that's no. going to separate people from from Trump. And I think DeSantis 
DeSantis is the one that's probably most disappointing because I thought he had the most to offer, and I thought he offered a really interesting contrast to Trump. But DeSantis has been pretty, a pretty boring, straightforward type of campaign, and it clearly hasn't captured the imagination of people in a world and a 24-7 news cycle where everything's on the internet and people have short attention spans. Traditional campaigning is kind of done in the world of Trump, and now DeSantis may pull a rabbit out of his hat. He's putting all his time in Iowa. He may you know, shock people and maybe wins Iowa because it's a caucus thing and infrastructure is very important. But right now, man, when the second guy is 40 points behind the first guy, and look, everything's already baked in with Trump. What are you going to learn about Trump now? They're going to be like, well, that's it. I'm done with him. You know what? He can only serve four more years, and that's it. I mean, the minute Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley would get elected, what what are they going to do? They're going to try to get reelected again, and that's all they're going to be concerned about and make compromise after compromise after compromise. I think I'm, and I've thought about this, we talked about this on air. As of right now, I think I'm go- I would go with Trump because DeSantis has been terribly disappointing, and the Republicans have again proven, based on being elected to the House, you can't trust them. They lie. What did they do? They fully funded all the Biden priorities in the debt ceiling vote. They did it for two years, so they don't even have to discuss it. So, if you can't count on the Republicans to do what they say anyway, then what does it matter whether I think DeSantis <laughs> might be a better president? The Republicans never follow through, so if the country's going to hell, let's do it in the most fun, entertaining way possible and do what's best for this show. Let's go with Trump. Uh, um, speaking of DeSantis, he's been on the offensive lately against Trump, uh, and he was recently asked if Trump lost the election. They finally got him to admit he said yes, yes, Trump Trump lost the election. Uh, but I want to play you this. I played this clip yesterday. I want to play it for you. He qualified his remarks after he said Trump <laughs> lost the election. And I've said this from the very beginning. Uh, when they changed the rules for COVID, I think that was wrong. I think some of those changes were unconstitutional. When they do mass mail ballots, I think that's wrong. I think ballot harvesting is wrong. I think the Zuckerbucks were wrong. I think the fact that the FBI was working with Facebook and these other uh, tech companies to censor the Hunter Biden story uh, was wrong. And so I don't think it was the perfect election. I remember after a lot of the media was saying, this is the most secure election in history. How could it be the most secure with those millions of mail ballots going out? And it kind of goes back to what you and Ethan Hatcher were arguing about yesterday, yeah. which was a fascinating uh, bit of radio. Uh, so that's Ron DeSantis. Now, let me play this next clip. Can, Again, I, can yeah, I do something ahead. just real go quick? Go ahead. This is why the guy can't g- gain traction. And these are the things that these politicians, people like Mike Pence, because he's done basically the same thing, they're so, they've forgotten what it's like to be humans, right? They just become some sort of political cyborg. Just say it. Yes or no? Do you think Donald Trump won or lost the election? No qualifiers. Yeah. Do you think Joe Biden got 80 million legal votes? If you think Joe Biden got 80 million legal votes, then God bless you. You're being honest. We're done here. You're done here. But then we know. But these qualifiers of, well, there were all these problems with the way the elections were, were being well, done. Well, you said that, though. No, I've, you? no I've, 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 said, I've said very clearly, I don't think Joe Biden got 80 million okay. legal votes. Yeah. I think when you've got the Pennsylvania legislature, Republicans Absolutely. waving their hands, you but, don't have to certify but I that, something. I think that's kind of what DeSantis was saying right there. But listen to this next clip I'm going to play for you. And this is not something I've heard anybody talk about. And DeSantis is blaming Trump for losing the election. Here's listen. the issue that I think is important for Republican voters to think about. Why did we have all those mail votes? Because of Trump turning 
turn the government over to Fauci. They embraced lockdowns. They did the CARES Act, which funded mail-in ballots across the country. Donald Trump signed that bill that funded the mail ballots that all the Republicans have been so concerned about. Uh, and also with the censorship of the Hunter Biden. That was Donald Trump's FBI <laughs> that was working with that. He didn't have control over his own government. Wow. that That's not an argument I've really heard before. I've heard the Fauci stuff before, but it was, you know, the CARES Act, funding the ballot harvesting, and the, you know, it was your FBI that that was doing the Trump, the, the Hunter Biden stuff. We've made wow. this, we've made this case, Nige, on our show since Trump announced he was running again, that whoever was running against Trump has to hold the mirror up and say, look, this dude printed all that money that bribed the states to shut down. This guy put and kept Fauci in charge. This guy was for mandatory masking. This guy was for you. Can, you cannot say you were not for shutdowns if you gave the states the money by which they could not have shut down without the money. And look, for some reason, we have made this point on our show for whatever it's been now, eight, nine months, however long that's been. People don't care. Like it is amazing yeah, to look tell at the polls. Yeah, they don't. They, it's like, and I've said this about the people he appoints. It's like you hate Christopher Ray. You appointed him. You hate Bill Barr. You appointed. <laughs> Him. You hate Dan Coach. You appointed him. All these people you hate, you appointed, and yet people just don't seem to care. And Trump gets a free pass on all of it. It blows my mind. We are going off the rails with Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show, nine to noon Monday through Friday, right here on ninety-three WIBC. Rob, tell me about this Indie Star article with Hogsett, and did they ask him where he was during the riots? So a random, confused, likely accidental act of journalism broke out over there at Indie Star and Colin <laughs> Chang, I think that's her name, they did Q&As with both uh, that underachieving doofus Shreve <laughs> and Hogsett yeah. and they uh, you know, asked him a bevy of questions and it wasn't an article so much as it was a straight question and answer. I ask you a question, you answer, we transcribe the answer. And so they finally asked him, now they of course referred to them as 2020 racial justice protests, we all know they were riots they were by riots. Antifa yeah, social and justice riots, yeah. other maniac markets Marxist maniacs, but she finally asked him, you know, where you were. And I'm going to read you this answer, Nige. Are you ready? Okay. And you tell me if you, this is this answers where Joe Hogsett was during the riots or not. Quote: Look, I know there have been questions that have come up. But I can assure you that on the entire weekend, and I can give you the hook, line, and sinker of press conferences that I held throughout the course of the weekend, trying to address the unfortunate circumstances that occurred in Indianapolis on Friday and Saturday that was fortunately resolved by Sunday. He then goes on to say, suffice it to say, that people may not be aware of what I was doing. No kidding, idiot! That's why we asked the question! <laughs> what a non-answer. What what an, people may not have been aware of what I was doing. <laughs> Look, I don't care if you were taking care of a sick relative. I don't care if you were in uh, incapacitated state. That 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 doesn't matter to me. I just want to know who was running this city while those things were going on. Who was really in charge? If it wasn't you, then who was it? The fact that he may have been drunk. We know all the rumors. The fact that he may have been. I don't care what it was. I don't care. If to take care of his grandma or in rehab. And that 
<laughs> answer just blows me away. Nige, I was able on air, and this was three and a half years ago, I was able to give a detailed description of where I was during the riots three and a half years ago because part of the time I was here downtown. Yeah, I, gave, I gave a play-by-play detailed description. So think about this. You know where the radio guy was during the riots, <laughs> but you don't know. And listen to this answer. This is how he ends it. This is so pathetic. As a, as a final matter, to be candid, I do think there are those who are taking advantage of these understandable questions for purely partisan gain, and that's what I find unfortunate. Well, if you just answered the question, Nimrod, (laughs) there wouldn't be an understandable question anymore. Just tell us where you were. That is Rob Kendall. He's off the rails. Kendall and Casey, Monday through Friday, 9 to noon. You have a wonderful night, friend. Thank you for stopping by. Appreciate it. Thank you, and thanks always to Garage Doors of Indianapolis. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.